Hi, I'm Ann DeLisi. And I'm Chef James Regato. And in this episode, we talk with Chef John Kung, a Detroit chef who has millions of followers on TikTok and YouTube. He has exploded in popularity online since the pandemic started by teaching Chinese cooking in a fun and sincere way. We talk about his idea of third culture cuisine, get a peek behind the scenes of how he makes his TikTok videos, and his aspirations to start a restaurant in Detroit. I'd like to start off with listening to a clip from one of John's recent TikTok videos where he describes what he means by third culture. There are many ways to identify as a person of third culture, but most of the time the culture of your home is different than the culture of the country that you live in. Maybe you're in Utah and your parents are from Pakistan, or maybe you're in Dallas and your parents are from Nigeria. Basically, you cross a cultural divide every day just by walking through the doors of your home. With that might come some challenges like the culture shock you face as a kid, or you lack a true sense of belonging. Maybe your aunties will say you're too westernized while a stranger on the street will look at you like a foreigner. And those challenges are unique to a lot of people regardless of the ethnicity and the culture that they come from. But I'm here to tell you that it can be a creative superpower too. What you have is in-depth and nuanced knowledge on two cultures when most people in the world only have one. When I cook third culture food, I want it to taste like home to two different families that don't speak the same language. And I hope in my doing this in my way inspires you to do it in your own way. That's why I teach Chinese cooking the way that I do. You're supposed to take it and you're supposed to make it your own. And if we continue to share in this way, we're going to change what it means to cook American food. I'm just a huge fan. I love the sound of your voice. I love the way, I mean, I just love the way you talk and the way you inform and the way you're thoughtful, like you, like you're the way you think out loud. That's what it is. I love the way you think out loud and it makes me think <laughs> like, Oh, okay. I get that. I can follow this. I know what he's thinking. This is great. This is why this is happening. You're just so brilliant at it. And I'm so excited that young people are excited or, yeah. or, or you know, kids that want to cook are displaced by their, you know, they're not, where they should be. They're in mm -hmm. the United States and their culture is really right. somewhere and else. And there's just like, you know, learning about it and and just like discovering a piece of yourself, but then also realizing that like living in between cultures the way that a lot of us do, like it's, that in itself is something special too, because it's like you have expertise in two things instead of just one. So yeah, it, I'm, it's something that I'm trying to push Um Actually, like, I'm actually working on writing a book now. Um, so I've sold a book. <laughs> and are you, is it daunting and exciting? <laughs> it is terrifying. Yeah. It is my first book, and it's like with a major publisher. And, and I am all, all for my first book, I'm like tackling the concepts and ideas of, of like third culture food, which is a term that I'm trying to coin, where it's like, it's, is more nuanced than fusion. Whereas like with, with fusion cuisine, I believe like you studied one in within one culture predominantly. And then you're just like, kind of like on the surface picking and choosing from others. Like, but for third culture cuisine, you have to have in-depth experience in both. And there's nuance in that expertise. And so if you're cooking third culture food, it should be familiar to like two completely different like sets of people in a way. Um, You've really done a wonderful job with that. Cause I can, <laughs> I can see it. I can see it in your, like in the dishes that you make, but the, how thoughtful you have to be to make it appeal to both cultures mm -hmm. and make everybody feel like, Oh, I get that. Cause otherwise like it's, it's been during, I guess 
pre-pandemic, we were there was a lot of like gatekeeping, and there was a lot of people taking offense. Um, I mean, like there are there are some there were some arguments that I, I do think uh, are valid uh, when it comes to like representation of one's own culture. But at the same time, like this is a lot of the people that were shouting the most with at the highest volume were people that I would never, like I would never give you the keys to that gate whatsoever. I would never consider you like an expert at the culture that you are purporting to like defend. So um, a lot of times what I saw was, okay, you are, you are um, a person who are, who was raised in the United States and you have, or, or raised in the West, like a brown person who was raised in the West and you carried with you a lot of baggage and a lot of hurt for being teased for being different when you were younger and you're kind of like mad that people are curious about it now when you have invested your life into trying to acclimate. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it comes from that. That's very interesting. Yeah, That's a lot of, <laughs> you, you know, when I eat somebody's food, I think you can feel them in it, like mm-hmm. their mindset, their feelings, their passion. Oh, yeah. And they cook for oh, you. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And uh, I find all of that part of it to be fascinating, like somebody's history, their whatever is in their food when they when they cook for you. Uh, and I and also like through food, I think people do get curious about other people's culture, like I certainly do. It's like, well, mm-hmm. why did this happen? What, where did this come from? Why would you do it this way? You know, all James this- is actually really great about it. He's got like this really chaotic curiosity that's just like, oh, it's all over the place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I, I, I can just picture him in, in the shelves of a grocery store, and he's probably, what's this? What's this? What's this? And it's fantastic the way that he's just so willing to try things. Yeah, um, it's exciting to watch. I mean, and that's what's exciting to watch you cook as well. Because there are moments when I think, wow, how did he get to this place? How did you get to this dish? How did this come? What part of your history is this from? What memories does this trigger for you? Like all of those, all of that history in the food. But then there are moments when, as you said, there are, there are other cultures there. There's American things oh, that, yeah. I, that, that go into your food that you have found a way to marry these two cultures in a way that... You know, people have failed time and time again. Let's let's be honest. You know, Rachel Lutz knew I was going to talk to you. She sent me this TED Talk. And this woman was talking about how there's more Chinese restaurants in the United States than like McDonald's, Burger King, mm-hmm. all these things put together. And how many of them are really good or authentic or whatever. But the, the fascination for me is that there is that people want to eat it. They're probably not eating the real thing most of the time. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're like, that that is so popular in the United States is very interesting to me. Yeah, Chinese food in America is is like actually quite insane. Like they, as far as like from a historical perspective, I think like there were Chinese, wait, what was it? Chinese restaurants, they're the first Chinese restaurants predated the invention of American football. And like the first Chinese restaurant like opened in San Francisco like a hundred years before the first Super Bowl or That's something crazy. like that. When you're talking about like- I love that though. The place that, that like ch- specifically Chinese people have 
in the United States, like, does not make sense on how othered I think like Chinese and yep. Asian people are as oh. far as Americans go. No question. So yeah, it, it, it was something. It was it was like it. I think. Everything that had been happening now has been like encouraging me, and that's like those are things that I'm tackling in this book. <laughs> and like, how um, do you go about that? Like, well, it, I don't really. You're, is this so? This is this isn't a cookbook. This is a. Book. It's a cookbook. It is a cookbook, oh, but a cookbook. but there's <laughs> but there's going to be a lot of narrative there. Oh yeah, that you have to delicately. They have, they have expressed like on many of occasions that they expect me to do a lot of writing. And I think they're basing it off of the videos because, like, I've never sat myself down to write like that before. (laughs) You know what people forget is that there's a difference. Like, I have to write for people to listen. Yeah. And then I have to write for people to read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a different thing. It's it's not not even close. Because I've had people write things for me to read. And it's not you. It's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it, It has to be for your ear. Yeah. And then other things have to be for your eyes. And it, it's a very different thing. And, and they're asking you to take on quite a task, which is to take what I have talked about in your videos, which is there's this conversational um, approach. And as you're thinking out loud when you're doing things and you're narrating, that's very different than writing about. what that's going to be. I'm getting help. Thank God. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. it's, it's good, yeah. but it's also good to have somebody like, help you distill what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a, that's a tall order for anybody to do. And it's a good thing that you're going to have somebody helping. And then you'll have a number of people that you're going to share it with yeah. to tell you. Because then you need fresh eyes on it. Oh, for, for sure. For people who, that you really trust that, to tell you the truth as to where it's perfect and where you can fix it. And that's a good thing. Yeah. And I, it's just so cool being in here because like, you know, I have like a tiny little setup in on my desk at home and stuff like that. So yeah. like, I see like all your noise cancellation stuff here and oh, like yeah, really yeah. good microphones. Yeah. 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 <laughs> your stuff looks and sounds great though. Oh, thank honestly. you. Like I, I'm, I'm a, I've done produce, producing video stuff too, and I've worked for a production company in the past. And so I'm really mindful of those things. Like I know what it takes to do it. I know how much work you put into it. Like I can see the work in it <laughs> that other people are like, wow, that's really cool. Right. <laughs> I oh, want to be like him. seconds long, right. Oh man. Like it's a lot when I tell you, like when I tell. first started the difference though, the amount that I've learned that I had to learn just for the sake of being like efficient in time, like it used to t- take me like, it still takes me like two days to make like mm-hmm. a video, but like, those they were long days yeah. of like editing. Editing and is soul crushing sometimes. It is. It's so it hard. Is. Editing video is not that <clears throat> it is not bad. No, it's bad. It's awful. <laughs> it is very it, it's awful, but like once you get into a mode and like you realize once once you start to get an appreciation that is just another level of storytelling that you can act add well that you're that you're adding over right that's that part is fun but actually doing it is awful so like i, I guess I, it's like editing is great in theory but <laughs> like when i do these like long audio pieces that are like an hour long that I is is i have sources from all different places and interviews and then i have to write all of the script and then i have to read it myself and then edit it all together 
Like when Bob Dylan turned 80, I did this huge. And it's Bob Dylan. He's been making music for, yeah, you know, yeah. 60 years. <laughs> it's like, where do you start? I'm like, oh my God. Like it was so daunting. I just, like I was just kicking and screaming the whole way. I was like, I was like, I hate you, Bob. <laughs> you are ruining my life. And, and then when I finally got into it, it was like, what's the best way to talk about Bob Dylan? It's like, use his words to let people know who he was and have other people talk about him. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to do this biography, this is like ridiculous. It would take a week of audio to do that. But the editing is just so tedious. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> it had to take me 35 hours to do it from start to finish, from the research yeah. to finding all the stuff. And, and that's the thing, you know, people don't realize, you know, they think, oh, and gosh, that's, That was so nice. That was so so nice. nice. (laughs) Wasn't that fun? Wasn't that fun to do that? I totally get it. No, it was not fun at all. I mean, I'm glad you're having fun, but, um, but like I said before, you know, that's when people, you know, you know, you're doing your job because they think they think it's yeah, it's it's so easy. But when I watch your videos, I'm like, oh man, there's a lot of work. I get to see it. That's okay. And those earlier videos, I was learning. I was I was going. So it was was like torture, right? It was awful. Trial and error the whole time, figuring out what you want to do and what you don't want to do. But it's it's so great. Do you have one camera, right? I have actually. Well, I have one camera, but I've started to try to do camera and phone. Oh, nice. Because like my, I, I realized like my phone was good enough when I started this. Yeah. I could be using it again. Um, They're but, so good now. Yeah. So having so two angles that shot at the same time, that's very, very helpful. Um, and I've like, you know, recently upgraded um, my sound where I will, I, I had a shotgun mm. mic that I used both for voiceovers. Uh, and right, right. Now actually have uh, a, a mic, voice, mic, a mic, mic for the computer. <clears throat> though that made my life so much easier too. Yeah. When you just get to a USB mic. It's a, yeah, it was yeah. a road USB mm-hmm. mic. Yeah. yeah. It makes, a, it makes a huge difference. It's like you, it, you get to that point where you're like, I'm going to use anything I can to make my life easier because yep. <laughs> this is hard enough. <laughs> like, Celebrate 75 years of public radio in Detroit with WDET. As our spring fundraiser commences, let's unite to support what makes Detroit unique. 75 years of people-powered radio. Invest in WDET's next chapter at WDET.org or tap Donate in the mobile app. You're just, you know, you just have such a perfect disposition to do this. Oh, I'm so glad that you're getting the the attention you deserve and probably never expected. I never. You did have for an a international second. following now, <laughs> which is just so exciting. I mean, and I love the fact that kids are probably, you know, totally into watching you do this and all this stuff with um, uh, Funimation. Yeah, Funimation. I mean, like that. That. I think we're, we're, we're still talking. I mean, like we're like, but like all those gigs have, have lapsed at this point. Like, Oh, we're finally done. Yeah. Do you want to do any more of that? I'm open to it. I'm open to it, but, um, it's, (laughs) there's no shortage of work (laughs) now. Don't, well, you know what? You're going to be in this enviable position of having to pick and choose what you want to do. Oh yeah. And don't sell yourself short. Yeah, no, I've I've managed, I, I couldn't believe like, you know, I, 
<laughs> I turned down an offer to do like a Taco Bell commercial yesterday <laughs> because I was like, that's not me. I mean, the amount of money is me, but yeah. like, that's not me. And I was like, I, I wrote a very polite decline letter and mm-hmm. I was like, did I just decline that money? Did I just say no, no thank you yeah. to that? Where it was like, this time last year I was collecting unemployment. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> God, the pandemic just forced you into a place you never would have gone. Yeah. I always call that stuff like the cosmic kick in the ass. Oh my gosh, I believe, un- I believe it. I believe it. The like, universe pushes you into places you never would. You're like, oh, all right. And the way like so many people like thrived. And it it seems to me, because I pretty much live on TikTok, that there are there I I I, I kind of like gained I mean, I grew in the same way that a lot of other cooks on TikTok grew. So I consider us to be like a cohort or a class. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many of us. Until we started to try to like visit each other, we all met in Chicago a couple weeks ago and it was super fun. And then I realized like there are only a handful of us in like this entire country that we like did this. And like it only happened to like this maybe plus 10 people who couldn't make this trip. It was insane. That's really interesting. Yeah. Were you the only Asian person? Oh, no, no, no. Actually, actually, I think there are more Asian people than not. Um, there was, oh, I'm mostly the only Chinese person. Um, the person on this trip was, uh, I met up with the Korean vegan. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name's the Korean vegan. She's very, very big. Uh, her name is Joanne Molinero. Oh, I've heard of yeah. her. Oh, yeah. she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I've heard oh, of her. She's, she's very good. And then this other... A uh, girl named Jessica, and her thing was like she makes bento box boxes for her kids, and that's what she does like every day. Isn't that? And she something? makes these beautiful little oh, lunch boxes. Um, and then, like, it, it's interesting what people like. How? What is like enough f- for people to like just succeed? Yeah. When it was like, yeah, Jessica may not be like a chef in any way, but she makes these beautiful little like works of art. Um, and people love it because it's for her children mm-hmm. and like they resonate that with that. And those two people are much bigger than I am. <laughs> that's, a, that's when people make an emotional connection with somebody, yeah. I think. And, and it's, it's the vehicle is food or right. whatever. Or but, whatever it is on that they're showing yeah. on their video where people yeah. are like, you know, the, the person with the most followers, he's actually from here. His name's Dylan. Um, and all he, he used to work at Coldstone, and he used to make these videos of him just making ice cream at Coldstone and telling these like little stories. Yeah. He had 10 million followers <laughs> and like, cause people, cause kids love watching him and like what he, and then I listened to him talk about it and I was like, okay, you were very just aware of oh. how this works and what to do. And you used your one skill to do it, which is really like, I'm not selling that short. Like that is genius. <laughs> so he was really methodical about oh, it. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. He mm-hmm. watched videos for like hours and hours and hours figuring out like what is it that kept people watching mm-hmm. and how to like not cheat the system but to maximize like why people stayed at and now he's got his own now he's opening it like he's also like 25 and now he's opening his cold stone competitor now. Like he's opening something? an ice cream brand. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So you're going to work on the book. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you have all kinds of offers coming in. What do you, do you still want to have your own restaurant? Yes, I do. I do. I mean, I've been in Detroit for so long and like, this was my goal for so long. And 
Like whether or not I do things just for so, well, I do things on social media or not. Like I still like, uh, I still, I still want to be able to share the things that I make yeah. in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, so, me being like, even though Eastern Market is changing, it still has like a very important place in my heart, and for me to do something for that community, which is just to open something that is mm-hmm. affordable yep. and good. And like, just like, it's not trying to do much. I just want to do like noodles and dumplings. Like yeah. that, nothing, nothing like serious, nothing fancy. You know and what? Then upstairs. That's yeah. all people need. I, guess, I know. That's all we need. <laughs> Jeez, that would be plenty. And then like upstairs, I might, I'll still do my studio things, but like, wouldn't it be nice if like, I wasn't doing that for the money. Yeah. Like if I was just, just to do it. doing mm-hmm. it, just to do it. Yeah. Um, that and, would be pretty cool. Yeah. Something that like, supports my crew like 100%. I don't need to take anything of it except for maybe like creative satisfaction. And then I'll just go off and do a video. Like that's... Wouldn't that be so satisfying to just do things for that reason? And like I'll move out of Eastern Market into my like house in West Village and like just (laughs) have my little life in the city. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Isn't it nice to just think about... It's kind of like being able to do something that feeds your spirit and feeds your soul that isn't attached to anything else. Mm -hmm. I totally get that. It's like after a while, like there's certain things that I just will say, like just recently I just said to my bosses, I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore. (laughs) I said, I fulfilled my commitment. There's one, there's one thing, there's something to doing things artistic and knowing it's good and the satisfaction of knowing listeners really love it and you love it when you hear it. There's another thing to having a gun to your head to produce so much stuff in a certain amount of time. And oh, it takes sure. absolute, it takes all the joy out of it. And I said, I never intended to work this way Yeah, and I won't do this. this and I way. think like the pandemic did a really good job in making a lot of us realize like, Oh wait, what we were doing this for why? Like, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm definitely a different person. Me, me too. <laughs> you know, it's like you ask yourself, like you know, like you know that the pandemic changed you, and sometimes you don't even know how, and then things will come up, and you're like, I would have oh. reacted differently to that two years ago. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it's not a bad thing. No, I don't think so. I worked so hard last year. <laughs> Our thanks to John Kung for joining us. You can see all of his incredible videos on TikTok and YouTube at Chef John Kung. Our thanks to you for listening and... We would like to thank LaMarca Prosecco for their support. From the hills of Veneto, Italy, you can never go wrong with Prosecco, whether it's in a spritz or drinking straight. Joan Isabella is our executive producer with producer David Lyons. Editing, mixing, and mastering by Sam Bobian. Production support provided by Studios on the Pond. Original music by the Mallet Brothers. This is a production of WDET, Detroit's NPR station.